Welcome to the Only Child Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Wallace. Have you ever felt like you didn't receive the how-to brochure on life? That you didn't get enough guidance about major life issues? So did I. You don't have to be an only child to feel this way. In my podcast, we'll explore some of the best ways to better navigate adulting while doing so with humor and light. Welcome, everyone, to the Only Child Diaries podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about being a caregiver. As an only child, caregiving of one or both parents is almost inevitable. Caregiving can be a wide range of activities, but however it takes shape in your life, it's never an easy thing. In fact, it's one thing that a lot of people might not talk about or think about. For me, it seemed to happen all of a sudden, but I did think about it a lot. My parents, both being only children themselves, meant they too were fiercely independent. There was just some unspoken theory in our family that medical issues were something to hide, something to keep secret. I remember when my mom had a hysterectomy, she didn't tell her mother who she went to take care of every day. She let my dad go over to her house in person to tell his mother-in-law once my mom was in surgery. Looking back on it, well, wait a minute, even at the time, this seemed odd to me. I guess my mom didn't want to get into the weeds, so to speak, with her mom. Also, my mom and her mom weren't really warm and fuzzy with each other either, so Maybe mom thought it would be awkward. Well, either way you look at it, it was awkward. My dad showing up at her house? My dad never showed up at her house, except on Thanksgiving and Christmas. My grandmother must have thought the worst had happened. Mom was killed in some sort of freak accident. No, She's just having surgery. I've kept this from you. Have a good day. Bye. In my family, I knew pretty much what was expected of me. My mom was a homemaker, and so once her parents needed more help, she was there every day to do things for them. Then my grandmother had a stroke, and she needed more help, more rehabilitation. And then my grandfather passed away, so she really needed help. But every day, I always questioned that, especially given that my mom had not only ambivalent feelings about her mother, but they bordered on very negative. In addition, my dad's parents started needing more help too. And while my dad would do things for them on the weekend, If they had needs during the week, it fell on my mom. Still, it was going to be hard for me to continue this legacy with my parents since I was working full-time. I had to work full-time. I had debt, living expenses. I didn't have the luxury of not working. My own parents were 
pretty independent, but that all started to crash quickly. Dad, already in his 80s, was in the hospital for a bowel obstruction. Mom called me after he had surgery and was in the ICU. I understand why she didn't call me when it was happening. It had been sudden and she didn't have a cell phone. I remember I went to the ICU to see him, and it was hard the first time because he was on a ventilator, but he was conscious. His eyes. Have you ever seen anyone who was conscious and on a ventilator? It's not a comforting sight. Dad was claustrophobic. It must have been horrible. It was heartbreaking to see him like that. He motioned that he loved me and grabbed my hand with his. His arms were covered in bruises from the needles they had used and all the tubes they had him connected up to. I remember walking out the ICU doors. I felt so alone. I called my husband, Bill, who was at work and started to cry. But dad recovered from this. It took him a while, but he was managing pretty well. He seemed to feel like he had cheated death, which he kind of had. Then the next year, in early March, he fell in the backyard and hurt his knee. Really hurt it. I met him at the ER, and looking at my dad, I was wondering how he was going to manage at home. He had both knees replaced several years before. They ended up admitting him and then eventually transferred him to the rehab section of the hospital. Dad was there two weeks, but then I suppose because Medicare wasn't going to pay more, the doctor talked to both of us about sending dad to a rest home or convalescent home. He prefaced it by saying that dad would be able to get PT twice a day for his knee and he would be home much sooner. Well, in my mind, the only alternative was really to just send him home. The hospital wasn't going to keep him. Although my parents and I didn't always see eye to eye on things and we weren't necessarily warm and fuzzy with each other, I had made a promise to my dad. One day, he asked me to promise not to let either him nor my mom die at a rest home. I promised. This was my guiding principle through it all. Who would want to die in one of those places, let alone languish in one? Well, the doctor and the hospital social worker pretty much did what they wanted, and Dad was transferred to one of the three rest homes they had referred me to. I wondered why they hadn't asked me which one we preferred. Once Dad was there, it was horrible. The first time I visited, I was overwhelmed by the bad smell that greeted me at the door. Then there was a woman in the lobby sitting in a wheelchair holding a doll. As I proceeded into the hallway, I passed the dining room. There was a long table with people sitting around it mostly looking like they were drugged, passing a big ball around. I was already thinking of our exit strategy. This wasn't what I signed Dad up for. Once I found my dad, he was in a blank, sterile corner of a room with two other beds. There was a younger man there, maybe somewhere in his 50s, who was a long-term resident. He was paralyzed and had lived there for several years. 
I asked Dad how he was doing, how much PT he had already had. The answer was not much. The promise of having intensive PT twice a day wasn't really materializing. Also, Dad's longtime doctor had somewhat hinted that he would be by to see Dad on a regular basis. What I quickly learned was that Dad was assigned to the doctor for the facility. I wondered how good he could really be, caring for so many people, caring for the people passing the ball around the table, or the old woman in the lobby with the vacant eyes holding the doll. Now, I'm not saying that people who work in these facilities aren't good or caring, but I was used to finding cutting-edge doctors who went above and beyond for their patients, like the ones I found for my husband. This just didn't seem like the same category. I started to work on making a plan to bring dad home. While all this was happening, my mom was home by herself with our dog Clementine, a German shepherd. Mom was still driving and was coming to see dad in the hospital. I would try to call her each day to check in and see if she needed anything. My parents didn't have an answering machine or cell phone, so when you called, you would have to let it ring about 10 times to adjust for them being in the kitchen or out in the yard. If she didn't answer, was she home? Could she hear the phone? You never really knew. When I wasn't able to reach mom for two days, I told Bill I was worried, and we decided to drive over and check. This was still during a period where our relationship was just getting back on track. Yes, I had a key to the house, but I hadn't used it in years and didn't carry it with me. I didn't feel like it was my house anymore. When we arrived, her car was there, but no one answered the door. Then we started knocking and finally heard my mom's weak voice calling out for us. She had fallen on the floor and couldn't get up. I called 911. The firemen were there so quickly and got inside through a window. Mom was laying on the living room floor and had soiled herself. She seemed a little out of it, but who wouldn't be? She had recently been in the kitchen before she fell because there was a container of ice cream melted on the kitchen counter. The dog was very hungry. Mom had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at some point. I never knew exactly when she had been told she had it. She couldn't remember, and she tried desperately to hide her symptoms. This time, she said her feet had just gone out from under her. She had a shuffle when she walked. The paramedics checked her out and said her vitals were stable and asked if she wanted to go to the hospital, but of course she said no. Bill and I stayed with her for several hours, and I even signed up for Life Alert that day, hoping that this would help us achieve that peace of mind if she should fall again. They delivered it right away. I took Bill home and then came back a few hours later, only to find Mom on the floor again. I asked her why she hadn't pushed the button that was hanging around her neck, and she said she had. She clearly hadn't. 
It never occurred to me that she wouldn't be able to push the button. I had just signed a year contract for a product that was completely useless to us. Anyway, back to dad coming home. I had to prove to the rest home doctor that we could handle dad at home. It seemed ridiculous. Usually, I think in this situation, you would get some help from the social work staff, but I didn't get any. They wanted me to get a hospital bed. Instead of fighting with insurance and waiting for that to resolve, I purchased one outright to speed things up. In the end, I got my dad out, but it felt like we were escaping from Alcatraz. I had to sign a paper that said I knew that what I was doing was stupid, irresponsible, and foolhardy, to paraphrase. (laughs) I barely read it. Dad needed to get home. It was March, my birthday month. I had made plans to leave town with Bill to celebrate later in the month, but I canceled that. Too much going on. At home, I had hired caregivers for my mom. There was no way it was possibly safe for her to stay home by herself all day anymore. She had bragged to me that she and dad had three kinds of insurance to cover all their needs. Well, they did have three insurance policies. In addition to Medicare, they had their Medicare supplement, they had long-term care insurance, and then they had another Medicare supplement that was a duplicate of their other supplement policy. It was actually with the same health insurance company. So they had duplicate health coverage. (laughs) I wondered how that happened. But most importantly, they had long-term care insurance. So caregivers should be covered. Or so I thought. In desperation, I found an agency on Yelp with good reviews. And they were able to send someone out right away. Then I had to start navigating the claim for the long-term care insurance. I remember being on the phone almost every day, usually at least 45 minutes a day for several weeks. They sent out a nurse to make the assessment. I reminded my mom, remember, fiercely independent, to not be too independent. We had to make a case for the care. Parkinson's had really made it hard for her to dress herself and adequately take care of her bathing, etc. A caregiver could also help around the house and prepare her meals. The paperwork was a frustrating process. In addition to making a claim, there were forms, lots of forms. I would learn down the road that the forms were integral to a successful application And what you didn't know could really hurt you. The caregiver had to keep timesheets with notes on what they did for mom. The care agency also had to complete the forms correctly and then return them in a timely manner for us to get paid. There was a lot to understand. I asked myself, did it need to be this hard? What if a person didn't have a son or daughter to help them navigate this stuff. I was having trouble enough getting in touch with them and getting answers. Older people would have trouble hearing, have trouble with all these forms. On top of it, 
My parents had been paying into this insurance for close to 20 years, but the benefit would only pay out a portion of our total costs and not forever. There was a limit, but it finally happened. We finally received our first payment. But not until I had gone through so many phone calls and emails with the insurance provider and the agency and found out our agency wasn't really skilled at completing the forms. This is a thing? Yes, it's a thing. I had to change agencies midstream. Another complication. And of course, I couldn't do any of this communication until my mom gave her consent to the insurance company for me to speak on her behalf. I wasn't really sure, but mom was starting to have cognitive issues. Again, she was really good at hiding her symptoms. Let me just say right here that there's a Facebook group I joined called Memory People, and I'm going to put the link in the show notes. It's a private group, so you can post or comment and other people can't see what you say. But this group was really integral to helping me to understand what I was up against, helping to care for a parent with cognitive uh, and memory issues, because Parkinson's does create some level of dementia. So there you have it. Um, I want to also add here that when you have an elderly parent, sometimes you have to keep an eye on things. <laughs> My mom ended up loving Publishers Clearinghouse and thought for sure she was going to win the big prize. In fact, the date that they said they would be out with the prize patrol was actually her birthday every year. One year, someone sent her flowers. And when the doorbell rang and she realized it wasn't the prize patrol, but a nice present, she was pretty disappointed. Despite their disclaimers that making a purchase doesn't increase your chances of winning, she made purchases constantly. I'm still finding some of the rather useless items she bought, including hundreds of pens, tote bags, tomato knives, it's a thing, yeah, and other items. I found I also had to keep an eye on the mail and the checking account to make sure she wasn't being scammed or giving too much money away. At the end of the year, mom got a 1099 with the total of the payments received from long-term care insurance listed as income. Wait, what? Then I had to go back to the care agency and ask for a detail of how much we actually paid to offset this income as an expense and not pay taxes on it. No good deed goes unpunished. Back to the caregivers. In the beginning, we had one person part-time during the day with me sleeping there at night. I tried sleeping, but my mom insisted on letting her radio play a talk station all night, and mom was kind of hard of hearing. I wasn't used to falling asleep listening to weird stories about aliens and UFOs or recipes for donuts played at top volume. Plus, 
Mom was used to getting up at the crack of dawn. I was a late sleeper. I would barely sleep and then go off to work, but I was starting to get really exhausted. After a while, we moved to having two caregivers who were trading off working live-in overnight for several days at a time, so we had 24-7 coverage. My dad passed away in August of that same year. He started out having a wicked cough, and we wanted him to see a doctor, but he refused. When we finally got him to the doctor, the doctor said it was pneumonia and put him in the hospital. Dad had coughed so hard and so long that he had broken a rib. When they turned him over in bed, it was excruciating. About this time, we found out that Bill's mom, Ellie, also had pneumonia, but it wasn't resolving. Then we got the news that she actually had lung cancer. It started out as ovarian cancer and had spread. She decided right away she wanted to go on hospice care at home. When I heard one day that they were starting her on morphine, I told Bill we were flying to Florida later that day to see her. I knew there wasn't much time. My dad had just had a thoriocentesis where they put a needle in your lungs and can withdraw the fluids to check. They wouldn't have the results for several days and wouldn't be able to discharge him for several days either. I was in the clear for now. Things here were stable, or so I thought. We flew to Florida, and it was a pleasure to spend time with Ellie and her family. Bill's sister Liz and her husband had come from Virginia so that Liz could care for her mom. She had been a nurse in the Army. The hospice people came and visited with us, and they were so knowledgeable and so comforting. They had a lot of information, and they broke down the process into manageable bites. Of course, it was a lot to take in, but I think we were all just trying to live in the moment. Bill and I were visiting at a nearby house. Ellie and her second husband lived on an air park with beautiful green taxiways for the small planes. That's the thing about Florida. Everything is so green. My phone rang, and it was Dad's doctor. He had gotten the results of Dad's tests, and Dad had lung cancer. I dropped to my knees in the grass outside the house. He said he would talk to Dad the next day. There wasn't much that they could do at this point. All the events that had taken place with Ellie started replaying in my head, and now it was all going to replay with my dad. I broke down. Never had I wished I could be on both coasts at the same time. We had return tickets, and it would be expensive to change them. Watching my husband say goodbye to his mother was one of the most difficult things I've ever experienced. We were both sobbing, but Ellie was her usual, happy, smiling, upbeat self. Someone said it was the morphine. Ellie passed on a Monday, and 10 days later, my dad died. He died peacefully in his bed at home, so peacefully, in fact, that we didn't know he was gone. It was the middle of the night. I remain incredibly grateful that it was peaceful and what he wanted. When my mom died, it was the middle of COVID, 
and that presented its own set of challenges. But she also died peacefully at home in her bedroom. Caregiving takes a big toll on the caregivers. I was lucky that we had the means to pay for home care. Not everyone has that luxury. I would tell people that it cost us somewhere around $19,000 a month for the full-time caregivers, and some would respond, you mean $1,900? <laughs> no, I mean 19000 Long-term care insurance paid for about a week of each month's bill. Yeah, that's right, 25%. Going through an agency is great because they can take care of any scheduling issues and also take care of the payroll issues. But once my mom was ready to come home from the hospital the last few months of her life, she had a feeding tube and the agency didn't want to provide care at that level. This meant I had to become a private employer, find a payroll company, get a tax ID number, and also get workers' comp added to our homeowner's policy. We wouldn't be able to make a claim to the long-term care insurance, but that was okay. In order to qualify, you have to go through an agency. I want to add here that the real heroes are the caregivers, giving of themselves, giving of their time and care, and doing the things that a lot of people wouldn't do for other people. It's a noble profession. Organizing the care and everything else that goes into it is really complicated and takes up a lot of time, considering that I already had a full-time job and a husband and animals to take care of. My mom was 53 when her mom passed away, and my dad was 52 the year both his parents died. I was 58 when my mom passed. Things definitely get harder as you get older, and I marvel at some of my friends who are dealing with aging parents when they are already starting to have their own issues with aging. I had looked into support groups for caregivers, but never seemed to have the time. It's just one more thing to balance in an already busy world. Even though I didn't get along perfectly with my parents, especially my mom, I'm happy that I did what I could to ensure their health and safety. A lot of people told me I was a good daughter. I hope somewhere, somehow, my parents think a little of that is true. If you're a caregiver now, remember to take care of yourself. You can't help someone else until you're taking care of yourself and your own health. If you like this episode, please follow the Only Child Diaries podcast on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you might listen on. And consider rating Only Child Diaries and writing a review. It helps others to find us. Please share it with a friend you think might like it as well. Visit my Instagram page, Only Child Diaries, or Facebook, Only Child Diaries Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tracy Wallace, and these are the Only Child Diaries.